Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Georgia. With me is Greg Velasquez in Iowa. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Man, what a night. My heart is so full. Greg, how are you doing? Bells, I also have a full heart. I also have a, a little bit of a missing voice. Yeah, we're, you guys are going to have to bear with, with us on the vocal cords. Um, it was just an incredible night. Uh, from that very strong national anthem showing at the beginning of the, of the game to the chants of Dos Acero ringing through the stadium. In the final minutes, I'm just in a state of uh, delirium. Still, Dos Acero restored. And in exactly the way that we've wanted from the U.S. since we started this podcast, we bossed Mexico. And we deserve to win 2-0. to zero. And it feels to me like the page has been turned. We now have a men's national team that can go out and outclass a good opponent. Yeah, and, and my, my only correction is we have a youth men's national team that can go out and outclass yeah. a good opponent. Uh, you know, like you talked about the start of this podcast, that's what this whole thing was, was uh, are there going to be young players to step in, take over for the missing generation, or, or I guess fill the void left by the missing generation? Um, right and compete enough to get back, get us back to the World Cup. And we're, we're so far beyond that as far as the level of player that has emerged and what we have seen from them in the last three games that they've started. Uh, you know, the Jamaica lineup, Costa Rica lineup, and now this Mexico lineup are insanely young. Uh, we, we talked about the Costa Rica one having 10 outfield players, all Olympic eligible. We can right. drill down even farther uh, and, and check out just how they're young, even for Olympic eligible players. Uh, we should have done that for the Costa Rica lineup, which was even younger than last night's. But either way, when we go through the 11, I want to like touch on just how outrageously young this group is. Yeah, yeah. Well, we saw. Um, I mean, I do. I want to. I want to hear that those stats because it also occurs to me. We saw a lot of good signs against Costa Rica. We saw some good signs against Jamaica too. But you know, this was this is the real test. Can we do it? Can we play well against Mexico? And um, and I think the, you know, for me at least, that's been the question for the last two years. Basically, since Berhalter got hired, can he can he make this a team? Can he help make this a team that can do that? That can go play soccer against Mexico and win, not just win, but play soccer and win. And um, I feel like this is the first time that that has really come together. Is that don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we beat Mexico twice. Uh, over the summer, during the, the summer tours, uh, but neither of those wins, I mean, they were just, they were exciting, they were gutsy, uh, but neither of them, great. yeah, they were, they were fun, uh, and there was a huge cause for celebration, because that's what, you're, you're competing to beat teams and get those outcomes, uh, but they weren't, they didn't feel necessarily predictive, you know, in a way of like, oh, right. this will definitely be, the next time we play them, you know, we'll be able to repeat this, and what we did last night feels like it takes such an edge off because to play that level of soccer against Mexico uh, feels predictive, right? It feels like, okay, we can now play this way. Uh, we didn't know for sure when we looked decent against Jamaica and Costa Rica if it would translate up. And, and even even if we want to get greedy, like the next test, like we can add more tests. Like, okay, now can we do it on the road at a tough place? Can we do it even anything resembling this yeah. at the Azteca? Can we do it against a seeded team in a World Cup group stage game at a neutral venue? Like, the, there are escalating tests. You, you want to just keep checking off more boxes. Uh, right. But this is a, it's still a huge milestone to check off. Oh, man. 
What a milestone! <laughs> it's so awesome. I mean, we you know we had a we had the we had the tailgate yesterday at St. Joseph Catholic Church, and I just it was such a such a good time. Thank you to everybody who came out. The folks from Bar Seventy Six, and you know Vince came through with the pork, and you know people. <laughs> I mean, it was so good. That pulled pork was so good. And, uh, I mean, we just had a great time. Mary Roberson, the business manager of St. Joe, she came through with bathroom access. I mean, everything was wonderful. Felt fell together nicely. And, um, man, I, I was just telling you off air, we should, we, a few of us went back to the, the parking lot after the game, and we're just standing around cackling because we just, we're like, pinching ourselves. Like, did, we, did that just happen? Did we just see that? We did. We saw it. It's amazing, man. It's party time. It feels like party time. And it's not, you know, it's not just because uh, not just because we beat Mexico and and really helped our World Cup qualifying mathematics out with the three points. Uh, We're still not super safe because there's a four team cluster at the top now of of the region with Panama's big comeback win over Honduras and Canada's win uh, over Costa Rica. So you have this four team cluster for three auto spots. But for me, for me, it still feels much safer just because we got this level of sort of like proof that we can do this. So now right. it, it's, it just sets this like uh, standard that m- makes me feel incredibly less likely that we will uh, drop enough points to fall behind uh, and, and fall out of qualifying. Yeah. I mean, Panama is really the enemy now. If we're doing it, it's, it's pure numbers. Game, right? <laughs> we, we want them to lose every match from here on out. Just about, I, I kind of want a little bit more chaos just for the fun of it because I feel like we're gonna we're going to emerge. So it'll be uh, this chaos between Canada and Panama, and who knows? Maybe maybe Mexico. Maybe uh, maybe we can break them mentally, uh, yeah. and and see what I mean. Canada, not not that Canada needs our help. They play Mexico and Canada play this week. Uh, so, I mean, the loser well, of that game could be in fourth. Well, that's another thing I want to I want to go back to is you know I've said a few times on this podcast that Canada play, has been playing against Mexico better than we have, um, and I, I I still think that that was true before last night, you know, so that's another way uh, just uh, I guess not really a mea culpa but just me acknowledging that that has changed that has changed too. Um, should we do the Should we do the lineups? Yeah, let's talk about our lineup, and we're actually going to go front to back this time because narratively that helps me out a little bit more. Okay, why don't you do it? Why don't you do the U.S.? Yeah. All right, so our 11 uh, front three is Aronson, Pepe, and Weah. And so, again, all three obviously eligible, would have been eligible for the Tokyo Olympics. But we're talking Aronson and Weah are 2019 U-20 World Cup eligible. So they, they would have been both been able to play in the 2019 U-20 World Cup. They were born in uh, 99 or later. Weah obviously played in that tournament. Aronson was left off uh, coach's decision. Um, and then Pepe, of course, is actually U20 eligible for the next World Cup cycle. Right. Just insane. 2003. Yeah. Uh, midfield of Moose McKenney Adams, which is what I desperately wanted to see. And we saw why I think a lot of people are really excited to see it. Um, totally bossed what would have Ugh. otherwise been considered the best <laughs> okay. midfield of the region. Yeah. Uh, McKenney was Tokyo eligible, but he's like one of the old ones. I think he's a 98. Adams could have played in the 2019 U20 World Cup, but he was already on the senior team at that point. Musa would have been eligible for ne- this just past summer's U20 World Cup that was canceled because of the pandemic. Right. So again, these are these are just babies. We we don't have in our front six no like veteran, no grizzled veteran leadership experience. Like it's these are the kids, and the kids ran with it, and the kids did it. 
You could see the. I felt like you could see the fear on Ache Ache's face too. <laughs> uh, back line of Anthony, the Robinson pair, Miles and Anthony on the uh, left side, Zimmerman and Yedlin on the right side. So Anthony and Miles, both Tokyo eligible, but like older, I guess. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, Zimmerman and Yedlin are the ancient guys, along with Stefan behind them. And um, you know, Stefan. Generally speaking, on this podcast, we prefer Matt Turner to Zach Steffen, but Steffen had a good game, don't you think? Yes, he, he definitely did. And and this is why, in my analogy from a few episodes back, uh, like the comparison isn't Turner amazing, Steffen terrible. The, the analogy was a 90% free throw shooter and an 80% free throw right. shooter. Like, they're both pretty good. <laughs> I prefer to run with the guy who, we, as, as sure as we can sort of be about anything in soccer statistics, we can be pretty sure that over the long run, Turner will keep more goals out than Zach Steffen. Like, the numbers give us enough to be pretty sure of that. Uh, you know, they're, they're, I, I do think Stefan is better with the ball at his feet than Turner. I don't think that's a myth. Uh, the question is going to be how, how valuable that is. We saw Stefan make some good, very good passes yesterday. Uh, so that, you know, he, that strength of his can play out on the field. Uh, I st- yeah. I st- go ahead. No, I was just agreeing. Yeah, I do. I, I, thought, I thought he looked good with the ball at his feet for the most part. Um, what were you going to say? I, I kind of interrupted you. I didn't mean oh, to. No, just so that strength can play out. Whether that over the long run is better than you know whatever gains we will make in goal prevention, I still have my doubts. But again, Stefan is is more than capable of having a g- good game. It doesn't mean he's going to have it. Just because I don't think he's as good as Turner doesn't mean he's going to be good for a howler every match. Right. He made a good. He made a. I think a pretty. That was a pretty tough save on the Tecatito miss. Right. What did you think? The, the one low to his left? Yep. Yeah, that was a great save. Yeah. I, I feel like Tecatito could have done better there, but still a good a good save from Stefan. Um, should I give the Mexico lineup? Yeah, let's hear you. Well, before you even yep. do that, just to throw in our subs, Pulisic, also Tokyo eligible, but an older guy. Ferreira would have been uh, eligible for the U-20 World Cup in 2019, but he wasn't. He didn't have his U.S. citizenship yet. Citizenship yet. Uh, Chris Richards with his late cameo. He was a 2019 U20 veteran. And then Calvin Costa again, ancient at age 26. Oh, man. We're so young. <laughs> Just insanity. Then, Just insanity. You know, Busio, Busio on the bench didn't see the field. Is uh, I guess he's 19 now. Um, yeah. All right. Mexico's, Mexico's lineup was uh, from the back. Guillermo Ochoa and goal, of course. Uh, Johan Vasquez and Cata Dominguez as the center backs, and then Jesus Gallardo and Chaka Rodriguez as the fullbacks. That's no surprise on the fullbacks there. It seems like they're the ones Tata favors the most, at least up until last night. And um, the midfield was Ache Ache and Edson Alvarez and uh, Luis Romo. Romo was maybe the surprise there for, for Guardado. Um, not, I don't know that it's a surprise, but it's a decision. And then... Um, uh, Chucky Lozano and Jesus Corona Tecatito on the on the wings and Raul Jimenez up top. So you know, on paper, this is a good Mexico team, and uh, and they didn't they didn't get much joy. They didn't get much joy in this game. Uh, any other thoughts about the the lineups? Lineups. What do you have? Do you have anything else on it? Not really. Should I? 
No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, the the coin tosses were going into it from the fan base side as far as what we knew Burhalter would do, I guess you'd say, was we didn't know about Wea versus Ariola. I'd say it's yes. fair. Uh, yeah. I was very glad to see Wea, and I'm very glad that he did play. Uh, and then uh, the right back, Yedlin, right? That was the other coin toss. Yeah. And maybe center back was another coin toss. Uh but not at all surprising that it was Zimmerman over over Richards and McKenzie. Um, and I thought, obviously, Weah played very well. I thought Yedlin and, and Zimmerman both had good games, too. Nobody had a bad game for the U.S. Yeah, yeah it was. I mean, the the worst game might have been Tyler Adams based on his first 40 minutes. But yeah, uh, but no one. Yeah, no one had a, a poor. Uh, well, we'll get in, we'll get into some individual performances. There were there were just degrees of good. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if there's anybody who is a shout for a, having a bad game, it, it is Tyler Adams because he was pretty sloppy. Pretty sloppy in the first half. This is the, can I say the word, sloppy challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's get into the timeline. All right, this is going to be such a happier timeline than anything well, we're used to. I should warn everybody, you know, there were so many good moments in this game that it's it, they're not all going to be in the timeline you know there was so much there was so much good attacking sequencing um but I'll, i've got first thing i've got is we're you know in the early going right after the game started but, but let me ask you this what was there a noticeable difference in the level of the atmosphere on the, watching it on tv not that i could tell no i didn't i didn't you know normally i don't listen with audio so uh okay. today i actually or last night i actually got to uh, so I don't know if that's what the audio would always sound like. So I can't, I'm a bad person to ask. What okay. did it feel like in the stadium? It felt like, it felt way, way, way louder and more intense than the Costa Rica game last month, which, I mean, which stands to reason it's Mexico. Um, but I don't know, you know, I was sitting in a different part of the stadium, so it's hard to compare. How about the Nashville game? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Again, different part of the stadium, much different type of stadium, so hard to compare there. But, but yeah, this felt this felt like this felt epic last night, and not just because we won. I mean, the 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 national the way everybody was singing the national anthem together, um, the intensity of the crowd, uh, it felt like a different level in the stadium to me. Really? With the, I just got to give the caveat that I was. You know, I don't know that I have a scientific way to compare the different experiences. <laughs> well, it needs to be different, right? It's Mexico. This is Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Very, 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 very pro U.S. crowd. I mean, that, that's obviously the design. But um, I think there was some concern in the lead up to the game that there would be a lot of Mexico fans. I mean, so I, the, the people were talking about that, which would be, you know, it's fine. I'm just talking about home field advantage. Um, but it, it didn't. It, you could uh, you barely noticed uh, any Mexico cheering in the stadium? Well, when you don't give them reason to cheer, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, there you, go. Right. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's see how many Mexico cheering moments made it onto your timeline. All right, there's like there's two or three, three yeah, or four, two um, or three. <laughs> but that, I, I asked that because it it did feel it felt we felt like we were we we came out to punch him in the mouth right away, even though we were like Tyler Adams was a culprit in this. Anthony Robinson had some moments as well. We were a little sloppy in the early going, um, so the passing wasn't quite as crisp as it could have been. But man, we were getting it. We were we were stepping up and and pressing the hell out of them. Uh, fifth minute, 
Musa sprays it to Timmy Weah, and Yedlin makes a, a bombing run on the overlap, draws Gallardo, and Weah just takes a little touch and then plays an early near-post ball that Pepe just doesn't quite get to, but it was close. Um, and then the camera, I noticed then the camera pans to Weah, and he's got that thousand-yard stare, man. He, like, he didn't come to Cincinnati to mess around. <laughs> and Oh, man, Weah was, was he was something else, man. Like, just no wasted movement. Uh, everything he does has a purpose, even when it doesn't come off initially, like his very next moment will correct it and open up something else, open up more options for himself. Uh, it was really fun watching Tim way. And it has been, I mean, he was electric when he came off the bench, uh, versus Jamaica. Uh, no one, he didn't, he was invisible against Panama because we could never progress the ball beyond the midfield stripe. But then he was amazing against Costa Rica. And again, now to do that against Mexico, uh, we said one of our takeaways from the last one was Aronson and Way are the best third and fourth wingers we've ever had. Uh, and man, does yeah. that reinforce it right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing Way is finally maturing as a player, Greg, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can see you can see the progress he's making on a game by game basis. <laughs> um, that, that, if anybody's not super inside baseball on that, that's a reference to this idea that, you know, um, the youth has been part of the problem in this World Cup qualifying cycle, which is still, which is a persistent, uh, persistent theme out there. Part of the, part of the problem is even a little harsh. Just the the the, the uh, difficulties we've had in the cycle are a, are a consequence of like the the youth getting up to speed. When it's very much seemed the opposite to me that the diff, like our most difficult moments have been when our incredible cast of young players just hasn't been on the field. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, we've only had the the McKenny Musa Adams midfield what three times now? Yeah, Jamaica, Costa Rica, and Mexico. They've been pretty solid in those games. They've all been yeah. home games, to be fair. We haven't seen them play away yet. Yeah, well, that is the, that is a that's a slightly different kind of test, but that is a test that's coming up. Can they can they set this? Can the team settle down and just get a professional result in Jamaica? You well, know? we we won't see it in Jamaica. Why? I believe oh, well, Weston well, McKinney suspended. Well, that, yeah, we won't see we won't see the MMA midfield. All right, but, all I mean, right. I just mean as a team. You were talking about tests earlier. You know, like there, there's different levels of test. Um, eighth minute, Whale leaves a pass on the ground for Pepe at midfield. This was a very this is a lovely little sequence. Um, uh, so the pass is played into Wea's feet. He steps over it, leaves it for Pepe, and then may, immediately makes a run in the channel. Pepe backheels it right into his path in a lovely way. And uh, and then Wea just drives down the channel, straight line, and has a shot from distance in transition. Maybe a little greedy with the shot, but I don't hate it because maybe he could have surprised Ochoa. Um, but Aronson wanted the little slip pass through him behind. So I'll start my dissecting now. Uh, I didn't hate it because I thought he was essentially running out of real estate to do anything else. Uh, and so that was the best uh, yeah, mo- that's true. Best choice in the moment. But I think it's because we misplayed the, the team transition or the, the break. Uh, once he was running at full speed like that, what I really wanted from Aronson was a run across his face to drag his man uh, one or two steps over to the side with him, which would either allow uh, way out of the freedom to try to cut in or... What you, what you eventually see coming is Anthony Robinson all by himself trailing the play, which Anthony Robinson is wont to do. So uh, Aronson actually just ran straight vertical and put himself offside anyway. So a slip pass is going to be, I don't know if you were, were watching it with a ruler and a compass, but 
he put himself offside for a slip because he just ran straight at the goal. And so he outran the defense. A slip pass, unless it had come extremely early, uh, ends the play. So that was my frustration was a little more imagination from Aronson to cut across Wea's face, drag yeah. a defender out of the space. And then it's actually Anthony Robinson coming in as a third man that would have been all alone. And Anthony Robinson is so, so ready to make that run. I, I think last time I called him the most missed player in yeah. the in the group because we, I think people aren't ready for that for him to have covered the amount of ground that he does in as fast as he does. What a lad, man! That guy, <laughs> I'm so I'm so happy about the way he, he's playing. I mean, he did he was a little messy at the beginning of the game, but like his physical presence, his work rate, like that threat that he offers going forward. Uh, what a solution he is at left back. Yeah, um, he, that, that's kind of interesting. He kind of had a down game as well. I mean, for the for the first yeah. 30, 40 minutes. So that's what what's kind of crazy because I thought Brendan Aronson also kind of had a down game. So you have a bunch of guys who actually, we, we talked about that too. It should be expected that you aren't going to put in the same level of like, uh, you won't grade out as highly against Mexico as you do against Costa Rica. You shouldn't. Like Costa Rica is much worse. So as a team, we should have a lot better grades against them than against Mexico. Uh, what was great was just how good the collective was at, cleaning up messes and then starting the next sequence uh that would have a very positive like effect right all right um let's see 10th minute uh miles robinson floats a ball down the wing for anthony who uh who does shaka and draws a foul so it's just more of that some more of that threat up the left wing from us and and shaka did did struggle with anthony robinson as the game went by um, you think they need Julian Araujo? I would, I would, I would be on the phone with him and bring him for Canada if I were Tata. You know, it's because it's Alfonso Davies next. It's not getting easier. No, no. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand why Araujo hasn't gotten a call. I mean, I to be fair, I haven't watched his recent games closely, but I feel like I know him enough as a player to think he could do it. He could do the job better than Chaka Rodriguez did last night. What do you think? Well, maybe Chaka's going to be suspended by the time we get to Canada anyway. Oh, like a late, uh, a late ruling from the right. head office? Yeah. There's no VAR in the match, but after the match, they, the region will, will dole out some punishments. Hey, like you're trying to gouge out Robinson Aronson's eyeballs, man. That was Not a nasty really. one, man. That was, that was like old-school U.S.-Mexico nasty. In the, I feel like lately it's been sort of... Uh, a lot of handbags, but no real venom. But that was that was some real venom, man. Yeah, and I don't, I don't understand why Weston McKenney got a yellow card there. I mean, I, I, I didn't hear what he was saying, obviously, but that seemed like a soft yellow to give West with a lot of consequences to it. Well, it was because he got in the mix twice in a row. There was another mi- m- like more minor skirmish just before that, and West like got right into it again. And so I think it was a cu- accumulation effect of. Like, oh, this guy's the troublemaker. And so the second time around with all that going on, you you punch the troublemaker. And that you, yeah. you're not going to give everyone yellow cards, but this is the instigator twice in a row now. He's going in the book. So I think it's a fair yellow uh, okay. to give. It's just, it just like sucks that Wes got in the middle of two things right in a row. I see. I mean, I understand why he would be a little upset. But yeah, that makes sense. 11th minute, a good little passage of play up the right wing from Musa, Pepe, and Yedlin. 
Um, and then it gets, so I, I was like very, very encouraged, but then it gets circulated back to Adams. And this is where he makes one of his bigger mistakes of the game. He plays a poor pass, neither to McKenney nor, nor Robinson, Miles Robinson, kind of between them. It gets picked off. And then, uh, you know, Jimenez is off to the races, 1v1 with Zimmerman. Zimmerman tracks back and tackles Raul in the box, which is really nice work. But then in the ensuing scramble, it, the ball falls to Edson Alvarez at the top of the box, and he gets a shot off from there with his left foot. Stefan makes a save on the stretch. I think it was going off the post or out, but I don't know that for sure. A good save from Zach Stefan. Yeah, good attempt by Alvarez. I think Alvarez thinks that maybe Stefan's unsighted if he can just curl it around like a yeah. body um, so he doesn't have to put a lot of sting on it. Uh, but Stefan's long, and Stefan has good power uh, to his range. And so uh, since it's not a, a rifled shot from Alvarez, it's just kind of curled over, Stefan's going to get to that. And it was, a, it was a good chance for him to show off that range. <laughs> yeah. Keepers uh, love those. That's, that's a goalkeeper's favorite right there because he yeah. did everything right. It's not like he's just showing off, but it's the perfect way to like, show how long you can stretch. Now, if you, if you have anything... Uh, in your personal timeline that isn't on mine, please jump in. But I'm going to go on to the 17th minute. Aronson gets that shot off from just inside the box after a Yedlin cross. I mean, there's lots of good combinations happening and uh, and then uh, like some semi-dangerous crosses. Um, but on this one, Yedlin crosses it from a little deep and Wea tries tries a snap header, try to sort of, try to sort of flick it on, snap it on. And, um, it pings around off some bodies and falls to Aronson. Uh, it's good, Aronson does put the shot on frame, but hits it very softly. Doesn't get much uh, on it, but still a decent little chance. Yeah, he basically did the same level of power as Alvarez, but with no placement at all. So he just kind of guided it directly to Memo. Yeah. Still got a yelp from me as it happened, because as it set up, I was like, he could do this. Like, that's a perfect setup for him to, to have this volley. Uh, so that was one of my early shouts. Yeah, he kind of side-footed it. I, I'm not sure exactly what he was trying to do there. Um, 18th minute, of uh, just a lovely combination from Mexico to release uh, Chucky Lozano in behind. It starts with Edson Alvarez in his own box. He plays a ball to the feet of Tecatito, who's checking back to the ball in, in our half. And um, and then uh, he, he takes a touch, plays it to... Jimenez and then it comes back to Tecatito from Jimenez and Lozano is making an off the ball run that's very clever and Tecatito just just taps it into his into his path well weighted pass and um yeah Lozano Lozano this is the one this is the one I was talking about earlier Lozano should have done better on this one I thought but but um, yeah. I, I said Tecatito earlier. I'm sorry. That was, that's that all right. Tecatito had the actual miss where he missed the yeah. whole. He just scuffed his shot. But that's right. Uh, this this was just really sexy from Mexico. Quite frankly, like oh. uh, every every pass in the sequence was just like a technical marvel, <laughs> and and it had to be because you know there weren't these big windows. We were we were like touch tight on a lot of guys, and that's how they found the runner in behind is because Stefan. I'm sorry, Zimmerman and. Uh, Robinson were so tight to their guys where it's like, okay, I'm so tight to this guy. The only way he's going to beat me is if he hits some miracle first time pass, like inch perfect to a guy 25 yards away. And they did that like four times in a row and they were off. It was, it was very pleasing to the eye. I might, 
I I didn't mention this. I was at, I was pretty low to the field and I was behind the goal, and so I didn't I didn't have a good view of the game. Honestly, like it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to tell what it's hard to tell what's going on in the middle of the field. Yeah, from, no depth. You have no vantage. depth perception. Yeah, but but even even from that vantage point, I could see that that was that was some gorgeous football. Just the way it was, just tick tick tick, and then he's in on goal, and it was it was Robinson who got who was chasing Lozano right back into the box. Yeah, 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 and he was he was doing well too. I think. Uh, usher him over so that at least maybe a portion of the goal would be taken away. I, I'll have to watch super, super slow-mo to see if Stefan is like using that pressure from Robinson coming from that sort of far post side to cheat to the near post, either to uh, cheat with positioning or cheat by elite, like diving early, uh, almost almost like gambling, um, knowing that that's the only spot he's going to have to shoot at. Uh, but I don't think he did. I think it was just a good, good reaction save, uh, good positioning from Stefan. It sure seemed like Lozano had a lot of goal to shoot at, and and didn't use didn't utilize it. But he went right by Stefan's feet, which isn't a bad place to hit it. So uh, you can try to hit it at the corner, but if, if Stefan's set up really low, like his his big paws are already sort of out in that area where where the ball would go to go to the corner. Um, so if you if you go for right at his feet, then it's uh, then he's either got to like do the kick uh, kick out with the bottom of his cleat. Or he's got a really like windmill to get that arm down low uh, to the boot. So um, I thought, it, I mean, as you see that you see him go for that shot, even though it's not necessarily to the corner. So you think he's hitting it too close to the keeper, but it still makes the keeper make a good save uh, if you hit it in the right spot. I thought it was like sort of right at Stefan's hand. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, another chance for Mexico in the thirtieth minute. Um, uh, Ache Ache wins a duel in the middle of the pitch on a long ball and flicks it out to Lozano. So it's, again, in this case, it's Zimmerman pressing high. Not pressing high, but man, you know, touch tight to Jimenez. And then Herrera kind of comes out of the scrum with the ball, plays it out to Lozano, who collects himself and plays a, a nice, very nice diagonal pass to Tecatito on the back post. Uh, Tecatito, this is the miss that we were talking about earlier. Just doesn't make good contact. I, he wants that one back for sure. Would have been uh, would have been a remarkable goal to hit the ball on a on on the flight from forty yards out, uh, but this is that's that was basically Zimmerman's low point, right? He didn't have a lot of them, uh, but him getting outworked right there in that spot uh, is what we need to try to eliminate, and that's that's sort of the same issue that we had with Brooks, um, but this was, you know, again, it's not fatal to lose that challenge to get spun the way he did. It's not like he got spun and then. Raul was off. Raul just spun him enough to connect one more pass, or like it, not even do that. Right? It was just like a, uh, just to get him out of the play, basically. Yeah, j- just kind of got him out of the play and, and pinballed the ball towards uh, the Mexico's left side of the pitch. Yeah. Keep it. Al- he basically just kept it alive. But you're but you're kind of pointing that out to say that you know, hey, Z- Brooks gets spun sometimes. Zimmerman gets spun sometimes. That shouldn't disqualify Brooks from being in a. A U.S. roster. Yeah, something I don't like, think it should. those lines? <laughs> so, sort of, yeah. I, I mean, but really it's just a matter of, like, every every center back is going to, like, half lose some of those duels, right? So right. Uh, it's it, it's certainly not a terrible mistake. It just happens sometimes. Most of the time a goal doesn't come off of it yeah, because a lot of things still have to go right to get the actual goal. Um, like, the only time it's, like, goal straight off a center back mistake is, is sort of like the Mark McKenzie versus Mexico Nations League game where... He literally hands the ball to Tecatito in the box to score. 
so it's like those mistakes from center backs happen. You, if you're like tracking them and really trying to see who's in form and who's not, you got to tally all of them up, not just the ones that result in goals against. Uh, but overall, I'm also saying not saying Zimmerman had a bad game. He didn't. He had a fantastic game. Yeah. Overall, it's just those things will occur. It doesn't mean that a player is suffering a crisis of form. Right. So so it, it is it is true at this point in the game, a half hour in, that Mexico has had the better chances. I don't think there's any debate about that. But still, it felt like we were the better team to me. Um, what did you that, think? That's 100% what I thought. And I was kind of surprised to read like the sort of halftime summations that were, that were saying like, basically that we weren't very good. I thought we were great. I thought we were sort of setting up shop outside Mexico's box uh, for long portions. Even just getting to Mexico's box to set up said shop is something we haven't done in so long. Yeah, right. So, right. like, just getting there was amazing. Then that we were still working and not just settling for, like, oh, we're here. Let's, like, quickly just hammer it at the box and see what happens because we might not ever get here again. Like, we looked calm. We looked composed. We were prodding and uh, testing. And it was just so fun to watch. I had a blast watching that half. And then it was just like, oh, against the run of play, Mexico, lightning quick, three passes, suddenly have a really good chance. And they did that twice. But that was, man, I will yeah. I will live with that if that's yeah. the balance of the game. Yeah, I mean, if the, that, that passing sequence that sprung Lozana in on goal, that's going to that's gonna beat any team, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's very high-quality football. Um, I, I guess the thing that comes to mind when you're talking about us setting up shop is just how dominant our midfield was, how much we dominated the center of the park. Because any time the ball would come out, uh, it would just get immediately hoovered up by Musa or McKinney or Adams. And, and Musa in particular was just like he had the ball on a string, you know? Like he didn't – it never looked like he was going to give the ball away. It never looked like Mexico could even trouble him when he was on the ball. There was, there was, there's so much nagby uh, to uh, several of our guys at this point, and I think that's such a huge difference. Like that's that's Musa, it's Wea, it's McKenny. Like they they have the ball and they just are going to uh, like hold it until you overcommit just slightly, like shift your weight just slightly to the wrong side of their body, and then they have the leverage and they spin you, and that's it. Uh, they're running again, and you're either going to stick your foot into their legs and foul them. Uh, or you're going to hope that the defense behind you can just sort of reshape and cover it up. But it's just, it was so apparent the way we could sort of do that. And, and that alone is, is, again, it's the cheat code for disorganizing teams with the ball. Because if you can beat that first man yourself, uh, then then for, force them to scramble behind uh, night and day, right? Night and day from what we've seen watching the U.S. for the past two and a half years. Right. Seven years, <laughs> the past seven years, which is a good, uh, uh, you know, we should, it, it prompts a, a humble reminder from me that even though this podcast from the beginning has always been about like these, this new wave of talent, it we didn't always, uh, you know, I didn't always, I didn't often even <laughs> correctly predict who that those talents were going to be. You know, Yunus Musa was not on our radar two years ago, um, not on mine at least. And, and, and if he was, he, he was in the same category as like Alex Mighton or is it Brian Okoa uh, who just right. got a Switzerland call? Right. Like I didn't think those I didn't think those guys were even on like on our they were on our radar in the sense that they we were never going to get them. <laughs> right, right. And he um, 
I mean, a lot of credit to Berhalter and the way he's deployed Musa um, because he does play a lot of wing for Valencia. And he, is, he now looks like just 100% indispensable in our midfield as a box-to-box midfielder. Um, 35th minute. Go ahead. Let me let me let me even talk more about the uh, about that midfield domination Please. because it just feels so much like uh, it just feels so much like uh, I mean we we destroyed them in the actual duels the actual duels that occurred but it also just felt like Mexico wouldn't even go into duels at some point because they were just in, in central midfield because it was just like they had to concede them you you start to go in and then you're like nope I will not win this so I need to just go back and sit back and defend and that's how you that's how a team like the US who's never been able to do this against Mexico is suddenly putting them on their heels and is able to comfortably set up that shop where Mexico have to be too tentative because if you go in and lose you can't get back around so you it changes your calculus on whether you even go in or not right so it was just just uh again just such a role reversal uh, from what we've seen. And the, the other piece of this is these guys aren't just like athletic. There's so much technical ability to go along with that athleticism um, that it it basically make it, it forces Mexico to be afraid of making mistakes yes. when they're on defense. Yeah, I mean, that's new. That's new to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know what I would do if I were if I were Tata Martino, you know, like, how do you how do you combat that the next time they play us if you're Mexico? I mean, Guardado's not going to fix that. Um, maybe Charlie Rodriguez? He came on it towards the end of the game and did, didn't make much impact, I don't think. I don't know what. You probably, you might play, you might switch to like a double pivot. Like you can't leave Alvarez by himself as a six. Yeah. And and you're you're getting more conservative. Like you're actually setting up uh, a conservative defensive shape. It's a new, it's a I'm new just era, laughing, baby. Thinking, of, thinking about Mexico. <laughs> it's a new era. All right, thirty-fifth uh, minute. I have a, a clocked Musa dribbling into the box, um, beating a couple guys in you know, one of those weavy runs of his, and um, and then plays tries tries to play a cutback. It just misses Aronson at the six, and gets cut out. But uh, there was a lot of there's a lot of little good stuff in this period of the game from basically like that big Mexico chance missed by Tecatito until the end of the half. Um, well, you saw, I think you saw, I think it was a Paul Carr tweet, right, that that shot that you described for Mexico and the, the miss was their last shot of the match. Is that right? It, now that I'm saying, I feel like maybe it's not, but I, <laughs> I think that was the tweet. We outshot them 12-0 to end the game. I I mean, I believe it. I believe it's, it, I believe it's <laughs> close to true, if not true. Because um, that was their, that was their last really legitimate chance 30 37th minute uh a really nice passage of play where musa is just boss in the middle of the park in the way we've been describing winning every cage match just comfortable and relaxed and dominant and we have a few crosses cut out then anthony plays a ball from the left side to Pepe's feet he lays it off for musa at the top of the box musa has one and the shot is well wide that one that was most notable to me because Pepe laying it off actually took it off of Wea's foot in the motion of shooting. Oh really? I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, Wea's like lined up. He's actually is he does the fake volleyball spike because he's got his like foot cocked. He's just starting to swing right next to Pepe, just beyond him, uh, and and then Pepe lays it off and Wea air kicks. I see. Yeah, it's. Uh... Uh, the the layoff it, the layoff was fine I guess in a vacuum 
But absolutely, um, yep. Way off the right choice for Pepe. Just needed. Uh, I think it was. I think it was so loud there. There was an example earlier in the game of a Mexico set piece, where on the broadcast you have Stefan just screaming at Brendan Aronson, who's only 15 yards away from him, to move him on the wall. And I know attackers. Sorry to all attackers, but when attackers go into a wall, they just somehow lose thousands of IQ points. Like you can't, as a goalkeeper, you somehow cannot reason with your players who are standing in a wall. I don't know what it is. Uh, <laughs> like it's the most frustrating communication that any human has ever had. But Stefan's just banging his foot on the upright, trying to get Brendan Aronson's attention. So I have to assume it's somewhat loud there. So maybe this is all to say, maybe Tim way. I couldn't, Pepe couldn't hear Tim way. calling him off Yeah, from a yard and a half away. Huh. Um, yeah, I'm glad it was. I'm glad it was loud. That speaks to my earlier question about the atmosphere. I wish, I wish somebody would somebody tell me how it compares to other. other you got to ask the players because it could, be, like you said, anyone in the stadium isn't in the acoustic center. So we need an honest answer from a player. They're gonna have to actually pick a pick a venue to say this was the loudest one. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll work on that. Forty um, first minute. Uh, there's that Musa cross to. Uh, Anthony Robinson's head, kind of a diagonal ball to the back post. This was actually a much better chance than I realized it was watching it live. Um, it comes after Adams bosses Alvarez a little bit, sits him down with a dribble, and then Aronson tries to croif it to Pepe behind him, doesn't quite come off. That whole sequence happens, which I think a lot of people will remember, and then and then the ball comes out to Musa out wide, and he just floats the ball at the back post. Robinson gets his head on it, but doesn't put the put the shot on frame. Yeah, doesn't Wea get a Cruyff in there right after Aronson's miss Cruyff? Doesn't I think yeah. Wea might Cruyff it out yeah, to Musa? Right. It was it was Cruyff time. Wea was so sexy. And then this, so Robinson, I, I I consider this kind of a Robinson miss, and it happened again in the second half, where it was almost just like he didn't expect the Mexico defender to miss it, and he just needs to sell out as though the Mexico player will miss it, because if the Mexico player doesn't miss it, who cares? You it didn't get to you anyway. But just in case, expect it to get to you and, and shape your body to score. Yeah. Yeah, he looked a little. If it's the one I'm thinking of, but he had two of well, those. This is the one. This is one he hit with his head. Uh, and okay, I, I do think it, he like he could have sold out a little bit more to just punish it on frame. Um, All right, then it's probably not the one I'm thinking of. I, I had two where he basically doesn't actually get his body to the ball because he didn't set up quite right, so he had to chase the ball back towards sort of the sideline. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. So the half the half came. Zero zero, but uh, the good vibes, good vibes everywhere in Cincinnati. Um, and we come out after the half just immediately dominant. Several half chances in the first couple minutes. McKenney, Robinson, and Wea heavily involved. And then in the 49th minute, we get a very good chance for McKenney. Yedlin, who played way better than I thought he would, uh, played a nice pass in behind for Wea. Just well weighted, only Wea can get to it, and he gets there first. And he cuts it back to the penalty marker through the legs of Gallardo, I believe. And um, and it's just, it comes to McKenney arriving at the penalty marker. He takes it first time, hits it well, but right at uh, right at Ochoa. That was a big warning sign, I thought. Yeah, and Wea is feeling it. <laughs> I, was, I was excited. I was, I was like, there was a part of me that was worried at halftime that Pulisic was going to come on for Wea. Which wouldn't have been super surprising, but I was like, I want Wea in a, in this game. Yeah, yeah, we needed him. It turned out, um, it's starting to just at that point to me just started to really be a delight to watch this game. Uh, 
Wea, 54th minute, Wea has one from outside of the box. Um, and it deflects to Pepe, who, who has a shot but doesn't make good contact and skies it. This was, this was a, quite a good chance, too. I mean, he had a, the ball at his feet about 10 yards from goal with a chance to shoot. It just didn't get good contact. I don't think it was deflected. No, it wasn't. It was a corner. It was a goal kick. Um, feel free to jump in, Greg. <laughs> well, that that so Pepe's missed there, and then his uh, not quite getting to that early, like early in the first half, five minutes in ball from Wea. Like I hope this isn't me being super harsh on Pepe, but I hope we can kind of like work away from the narrative that Pepe is just some ruthless finisher, because again, like ruthless finishers don't really exist. Like you just have to keep getting in the good spots, keep doing it over and over, and you will get your goals. But the fact that he scored two goals on his first like two shots in a U.S. jersey sort of made everyone think that he's the solution because he's always going to finish his chances, but he won't. He will he will finish a percentage of them, and he will hopefully keep getting in good spots, and we'll keep finding him. We'll, as a team, we'll, create, we'll continue to create those opportunities, uh, but he's not, he's not like magic. Yeah, we're going to have to agree to disagree. I still think he's magic. <laughs> I still think he's magic. The magic, was, the magic wasn't very strong last night, but he... <laughs> he yeah, played he did, well. He I'm not, play this well. isn't me saying he didn't. I'm, I'm saying there is more to it than did he score I, or not. Because a lot of times that that's what people try to reduce it to, and that uh, he, you know, that like, oh, he will just score. He just has it in him to score when it counts, and that's not really how it works. Of course, you're right, Greg. But it is kind of a joyless <laughs> existence that you lead. <laughs> um, the 58th minute is uh, a good way up, way a ball across for Aronson. Kind of similar to that. I mean, like, you notice the theme here? Way is involved in everything. Um, way a ball across for Aronson, and Romero can run at the near post, and his shot is blocked, I believe. It's similar to the Pepe one, except he, I think he got to it, and his shot was blocked. Um, 67th minute, I think there's a little bit of a lull before this, and, and definitely this is the nadir of the lull, but uh, we got off a rhythm... Um, somewhat before Pulisic came on and then that we had the Chaka hands to Aronson's face situation which resulted in as we mentioned a soft yellow card for McKenney and also a yellow card for not not soft I should take that editorial comment out I I retract it and then also (laughs) a a yellow card for Zach Steffen and then a a yellow card which everyone thought should have been a, a red card for Chaka uh, somewhere in there, just because we were, you know, hitting way hard here, he also had an amazing through ball to DeAndre Edlin that I don't remember exactly which minute, so I don't know where it goes in the timeline. But it was just another one where I'm just like, oh, my days, Tim Wea, like, you are, you are, like, just abusing Mexico <laughs> in your, like, fourth ever World Cup qualifying game. You are just having your way with Mexico mm-hmm. right now. What a night. What a night. So let's get to the next, the next event that will feature Tim Weah. Yeah. Seventy fourth minute, the goal the goal which was coming came. Um, it starts with the two eighteen year olds, Pepe and Musa, settling some possession down in the middle of the field, and then Musa takes touch and plays it out wide to Weah, who just squares his guy up and pushes the ball to the end line, and gets enough space to play a a very very good cross right across the six. And Christian Pulisic, who had just come on the field only moments before, makes a clever late run past Dominguez and gets up over him and, and hits a glancing header right past Momochoa. 1-0. And then he, ru- 
Towering, towering. <laughs> it was, it's a towering it was, header. It was it, glancing header. Get out of here. Towering header. I don't think that's a. Is that a towering header? Okay. Yeah, that's okay. towering. It was a towering glancing header. Is how I'll is how I'll stick to it. Um, and then he runs to the corner flag and pulls up his shirt to reveal the words uh, "man in the mirror." Which he was asked, it's so funny, he was asked about it repeatedly at the press conference. Did you see this? Yeah. And he just yeah, refused. Yeah. He's like, guys, you know what it means. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he just refused to elaborate, uh, which I can really respect. Uh, so the the ball from from Wea, right? We, we've talked at length about Wea going back to like the U20 World Cup, about he's not really like a beat guys 1v1 player. But he is elite, and he has been forever, at shifting the ball and, and, again, the leverage stuff to just create windows for that next option for what he wants to do. And that's exactly what that was, right? There was no room for him to hit that cross, and he still somehow hit that cross. Yeah. And then, and then not this is, please don't take this as wet blanketing, but it's kind of the same thing we had to talk about with Costa Rica and uh, Killer Navas letting in the goal that uh, we won that game on. Does do we does Christian Pulisic get that run in on goal if we're facing any of Mexico's three first choice center backs who are missing for this game? Um, I think it was I think it was a surprise. You know, he was being marked by Shaka, and then he just came. He saw that he saw a way to push it to the end line, and he just darted inside, and he got in front of Dominguez before Dominguez even realized he was coming. You know. So he had all the. He, yeah, my my question stands. <laughs> does a does a better center back see that run coming and sort of just does Walker Zimmerman see that coming and sort of just shrug Pulisic off of his run and that's that? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. They they have the center backs they have. We all have injuries. Right. And they, they, I mean, they have a center back problem. We talk, we've talked about it on this on this show. Um, so. It's a fair question. I'm not going to answer in the affirmative because that would, I, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just we we got we got good joy out of there were quite a few moments where I was like oh man like we we sort of capitalized on some really shoddy center back work there, and and not all of them led to goals, but it was just like oh you could see this sequence developed really well uh, because you know Pepe did this and. Uh, Aronson did this, and the center backs just like were uh, were a mess behind yeah. them. Yeah, it's but that's who Mexico are. Like that's that's not like a again. This isn't trying to say we didn't we don't get credit because Mexico made mistakes. This is who Mexico are. This is who a lot of teams are going to play. They're not going to have perfect players at every position. Right. So it's can you move around and get and get in good positions to exploit those weaknesses? I think yeah, and I think we're gonna. I think the U.S. I fully expect the U.S. to keep getting better. You know, that's my. Uh, that's how I'm looking at it. I do too. I'm the exact same way. I think I think this this core group will keep getting better. I don't think it's going to be a case of like, oh, now you throw Dest and Reina back in. I think those guys will get in and play. I'm not saying like, oh, they're now frozen out because we don't need them. I'm saying they'll get in and play. But when they come back, two other guys are going to be injured and we'll be missing those guys. Like we're never going to have like this. Oh, now you add these two and everyone else stays perfectly fit and we're we are even better. We'll always have two or three first choice guys out, but that's that's what we're learning is even with that, this is still who we are, and we are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, 
I do, I do, I am very curious to see how we look against Jamaica without Weston. Um, because if we've, we've had some pretty stark differences in results in games where he, that he's been involved in, in, in games that he's not been involved in so far. So, uh, I, I, I just mentioned that because, you know, it is true. People are going to get injured. Other people have to step up. Um, I don't know if we can deal with two injuries in that midfield, you know? Two injuries in midfield is going to hurt. Miles Robinson getting a red card is going to hurt against Mikel Antonio. Yeah, man. That seemed like that seemed like a soft second yellow too, didn't it? Or no? Really soft. It's just kind of cleverly done. Uh, You, I mean, he raised his arm to like pull back on the shoulder. I don't think he really made any contact. But when you're chasing a guy from behind. And you put your arm on the guy's shoulder. Like, that's a tactical foul. Like, that's your choice to try to slow the guy down. People do it all the time. It's totally part of the game now. Uh, but a clever attacker goes down when he feels it uh, or has the option to. If they want to try to power through, they can. But, like, you can't really argue. Like, oh, no, I was. that's just my natural running motion to put my arm on someone's shoulder when I'm close to him. <laughs> like, you, you take the yellow. Right. It's, it's sold, but it's, it was your choice to, to start trying to pull the guy back. Well, the guy just out clevered you with his anticipation of your gamesmanship. Right. Well, it's it started to feel it started to feel like a party as soon as as soon as the ball hit the net off of Pulisic's towering header. Um, the only thing I, I forgot we still have more things yeah. going on here. I was already <laughs> celebrating in the podcast. All right, well, go there's on. just a couple more things. Um, and I, but I think the you know what I was hoping for in the stadium was to be able to say to chant dos acero you know i really wanted i really wanted that privilege and it's the birthright of every american (laughs) and and we got it man good and 84th minute Uh, this goes a little a little bit luckier i think but it's a good entry pass from wea to mckinney from wide to mckinney in the middle and he mckinney leaves it for ferreira behind him who taps it back to mckinney and they're trying to do a little one two into the box mckinney tries to tap it back to Ferreira and it gets it gets cut out but it deflects right back into McKinney's path for a nice little 1v1 against Ochoa and he slots at bottom left corner uh, very very assured finish with a lot of goal to shoot at and he runs to the middle of the field and casts a spell on the stadium and um, you know he does his Harry Potter thing so man and then a minute later the stadium the stadium is just like I said, ringing with everyone saying, shouting Dos Acero. I can't believe how how fun that was. <laughs> believe it. Well, hey, you, you can't just go straight to the Dos Acero chance without letting me revel in Jesus Ferreira being involved please, in the goal, please, right? Revel. revel away. I've been waiting forever. I, I think back in January, I was like, Jesus Ferreira starting World Cup qualifying. <laughs> Which was a reach then, and it's still a reach now. But uh, I just love him, and he could he could be in the rotation. I love him, and I love how tidy he is, and I love that he wants that ball to get fired into him from the wing at his feet, and he has no problem being like, "I will then pick out a four yard pass in a crowd." Uh, it was it was a great lead for McKenney, and again, it just speaks to how uh, ambitious the players are playing with each other. And I do believe like that kind of thing is contagious goes back to the Aronson Cruyff pass attempt that is followed moments later by a Wea Cruyff pass attempt. It's like you just start looking for these little moments to do that yeah. stuff. 
the dummies and the back heels. So I, I think that's honestly why McKenny was like, oh, now I'll just hit it right back to Ferreira from the return pass. It's that addictive, like, ping, 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 ping. We're just going to keep moving this ball around. And then it was good luck to get the deflection. But even just that initial keyed movement of the McKenny dummy to Ferreira to connect a ball into the box to McKenny, like, I just love it. And we're going to, I just feel like we're going to see more and more of that. And I think it's going to translate even against teams sitting in a low block. So that wasn't necessarily Mexico tonight. It, I don't know if it's going to be Jamaica uh, this week, but at some point we're going to start playing teams that sit deep against us that we're going to have to unlock. And I think we now have that ambition to do yeah. it. And certainly the ability. Yeah, that's a good word for it. it and it is true. Like it, there was a little bit of luck in the last deflection, but it's true that when you are ambitious in that part of the field and, and sort of impose yourself the way we were doing, good things, you know, things can fall your way. And um, so it's deserved, and it's a good finish too. Ninetieth in the ninetieth minute, we got. Uh, I just wanted to clock that in the ninetieth minute, Wea is tracking back and slide tackling Hector Herrera deep in our corner. So the guy who was just like you know generated a lot of offense in this game was just working so hard even in the ninetieth minute up to zero. Um, that's what I got for the timeline. Yeah, Wea is not now and ha- basically has never been like a luxury attacking piece. He is everywhere all the time. So uh, if you're worried about defending, you don't need to worry about that with yeah. Tim Wea. I, I, have, I haven't mentioned Aronson much, but he did also work very, very hard in this game. His pressing was, a, as everybody's saying it, but his pressing was a was a real factor, I thought. Just constantly yeah, I, rattling people, I, I, you know? Yeah, he is. He's he's that little terrier nipping at heels for ninety minutes. But I do think he was he was sort of ineffective in this game, and and I think that's going to be an issue for him. Uh, certainly against like more physical teams. Like I just feel like he's got to he's got to find a way to not be little brothered. And I don't mean getting clawed in the face. Like there's not much you can necessarily do to prevent that particular particular like bit of brother roughhousing. As every but, brother does. But that wasn't brother. the only. <laughs> But there absolutely were plenty of moments in this game where the contrast between Aronson's little brothering and Tim Weah doing this, doing that to Mexico, like they're there. Like you can see why Weah adds so much value against Mexico, and, and I'm guessing most teams. I, it's, I don't know where, if that shifts anything in the pecking order uh, for Burhalter or anyone else, but um, that it looks like it might be a real thing. Well, it's such a different. It's such a different way of playing right wing than we see from, I mean, pretty much anybody because he is he is he's comfortable coming in and, and dealing, but he also does a lot of like classic winger stuff where he just takes it to the line and and can beat beat a guy and cross it. I just don't see that as much of that from from Aronson or, or even Reyna necessarily, um, and his and like his movement well, the- too. I think is a different animal as well so different and and uh i saw somebody at, uh, i always feel bad because i don't always mark who it was on the discord was saying this is the this is what all we needed to see right now for when we do see that bunker and we need to break down a bunker and we don't need a midfield to cover as much ground as say mma has to do against mexico that's when it is gio reyna the 10 and brent and aaron wea i'm sorry tim wea uh out wide right and you, and you drop Musa. Mm, that's a tough one. 
It is a tough one, but Tim Weah was just the man of the match, so where are we at now? You gotta drop Weah. That's the whole point. This is good. So you can tailor your elite talents uh, to the opponent. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm all in on that, but it's like that is a totally plausible way to uh, account for what the opponent could be doing and not like not sacrificing with talent, not being like, okay, well, I guess I mean, in the through all of 2019 and 2020, I felt it was like, I guess we're going to bring this guy onto the field for some reason and have him be a staple. Uh, And it was always like it always felt like a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, I I guess I want to see how. I, I mean, I, 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 broadly speaking, I love the idea that we have these these difficult problems, these wonderful problems. But I do I do wonder if Musa. I'd like to see us play without Musa to see how like, just how much he dominates the game personally. You know, with the qualities we were talking about earlier. Like, it might might be a lot. It might be a lot just him. You know. I don't know. Well, Reina has Reina has some of that Nagby to him. I know I know they're different players, but there is definitely uh, a Nagby somewhere in in Gio Reina. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. Those two are their best cage match players, Gio and Eunice. Um, hey, your your uh, hey your timeline left off a pretty important Jesus Ferreira miss, uh, which I don't please, appreciate. Please add it to the timeline, Mister Velasquez. Ball came into Jesus Ferreira at the, like seven yards out, and he fired a ball with his left foot just wide of the post. I don't care about the buildup. I care about the XG because, as I said about Pepe, no one converts all their chances. But Ferreira getting that chance is a good little sign for him. Yeah, that was on a ball from from Robinson on the left, right? I, th- I think it was, I think yeah. you're right. Anyway, it was just it's just my way of saying I really like what we are doing as a team to create chances, and Jesus Ferreira is perfectly capable of of. Uh, being on the end of those chances, and I don't. Again, I, I've heard people saying he missed his opportunity, but that, again, I don't. I hope Berhalter isn't thinking that way because the one thing we've learned through all of this statistical revolutions is that that's probably not the right way to be thinking about it when you're choosing your lineups. It's. I'm sure he doesn't doesn't think about it that way. I mean, maybe it's a little bit unavoidable, you know, because we're humans, and when you see the ball hit the back of the net, it has a it has an effect on your decisions. Um, anyway, let's see. It does feel it feels like it feels like a new era to me, Greg. Am I overreacting? No, I totally think it could be the Jesus Ferrer <laughs> era. I'm I'm all, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. <laughs> uh, like I, we, sorry, we'll go. We'll get to the new era in a second. But it very much was like pick some MLS strikers out of a hat, or or throw Sargent or Pfaff in there either. Uh, like whatever, they're all roughly the same. It's it's going to be very much can the team create looks, um, but I do actually think there are different like traits from those names in the hat, and Ferreira's traits just happen to agree with my sensibilities. I it does seem like Berhalter is going to start Pepe again against Jamaica, but um, but you never know. You never know what Greg's going to do. All right, new era though, right? <laughs> a real new era. It does feel it, fe- it felt it feels like we all witnessed history last night. I mean, it's history for only a very you know small portion of American population, but still a historic night. Um, where where it changed, where the I think the relationship changed 
between between us and Mexico on on on, on soccer. <laughs> and and not only that, but like no no like uh, there's no warm blanket here for Mexico. Like oh, this was um, you know a one off situation. Like Mexico had most of their squad, and it was their actual squad that got bossed by our children. And how do you how do you like look forward to the next decade? Like this this could be some serious like uh, deep reflecting, blow it up in Mexico and and figure out how you're going to actually produce elite talent, the level of player, yeah, that, that the U.S. seem to be sitting on right now for at least the next co- three age cohorts, right? Or I guess the current young, like tw- eighteen to twenty two year olds. Yeah, there's nobody. I mean, there's no obvious people coming up behind Herrera and and Guardado. Um, they do like I think the way John Arnold put it is they do have green shoots at center back. I think Vasquez is going to be a good player. Is a good player already probably. Um, but that midfield is going to be that is going to be a bad matchup for Mexico for a while. And I you know doesn't it feel like we could go into the Azteca and like pretty much play the same way? Like what? Well, that, that's what I was going to say too. Is we we still also have to be careful about this because all three of these games that we are you know getting very boastful about they've all been home matches they've all been on u.s soil so we still have to see what if if we go in and mexico hits us in the mouth on the azteca i guess even then it'd be like okay but now we're at least back on even footing where for the past five years it hasn't even felt like that right we it's very much felt like we've been we've been bossed and we got no matter where we play we got that friendly win in 2019 but like any any meaningful competition with mexico until this year was was a not an encouraging night for a U.S. fan. All right, I still I'm at a I'm at a rest stop in Kentucky. I still got to drive home. <laughs> what What are you gonna give us on the on the Jamaica game in two days? Uh, I'll just point people back to the John Arnold preview, probably. Yeah, I mean, Chris, Waki, and I are gonna have to figure out what our next what our next move is gonna be. Oh yeah, I was gonna say, uh, please consider supporting the Patreon. We are an ad free podcast. Patreon's how we do it, and um, we, we I think we have a good little community. Greg, anything else from you? I don't want to cut us short here. <laughs> get in, get into the Discord. We're we're dissecting like miscellaneous clips to within an inch of their <laughs> lives. A very very on brand, very on brand. But 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 now it's in a happy way. Now it's now it's all joyful. We're not assigning culpability anymore. <laughs> we're we're celebrating ingenuity. Yeah. And coordinated movement. Hey, we, we do need to talk about this. Uh, we can't leave without saying this 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 game looked coordinated. It wasn't just like good players doing cool things. Like we looked coordinated in a lot of different uh, areas. And so that very much is like I don't want to sell Burhalter short here either. Like this team was prepared to do what it did. It wasn't it wasn't just rolling the ball out and and showing the dominance over Mexico. Like we knew what we were doing here. And it was a lot of the things that we talked about wanting to see in the preview episode. Yep which was drawing that Mexico press up, going beyond it, and then just that's where the domination was occurring. Right in the middle, in the center circle, basically. Yeah, yeah, we'd go, we'd hit it over, and it was we, it was that exact bas- basketball backdoor concept where Mexico's sort of their version of their eights, their dual eights, uh, Romo and uh, Herrera were touched tight on Musa and McKenney, and as soon as we, you know, they got drawn way upfield, Musa and McKenney would check back, and then when we'd hit it upfield towards Pepe, Aronson, or even Edson Alvarez, uh, Moose and McKinney would just race up, and they would comfortably outpace Mexico's eights up into the space, 
And so even if we didn't win the first ball, they created this numerical advantage on the second ones where we would get enough of those where we could then build from there with five Mexico players still sitting over by Zach Steffen's box. It is interesting. You know, I think I said beforehand, like, I just wanted Greg to go one way or the other. And um, I thought putting Steffen in was an indication maybe we were going to try to pass through that press. And yet we definitely didn't try to do that, not very much at least. Not through it, but he Stefan did have a role in those in the passing to draw it up. Where we'd go to Stefan in Mexico at times would come forward as a, uh, as a yeah. unit, uh, but but the connecting tissue of that unit was Edson Alvarez by himself between the backs and their front five, and and that's where because they were committed to thinking that we would, I, I, don't, I honestly don't know what their thought was, because it was pretty easy for us to just loop it up and again not even have to hit a perfectly accurate ball. Because wherever Mexico's center backs would head it, it's going to be Musa and McKenney, and usually one of the wingers, whichever winger was closest to the ball, going up against Edson Alvarez to try to win the second one. Huh. It's kind of a clinic. It was a, uh, it was it was fun to watch. Like there were quite a few. We're, we're again we're dissecting a lot of those clips in the Discord. Maybe some of them will make it to Twitter. I think Carlin Carpenter already posted a really great uh, video clip of it. So if you follow him on Twitter, which you should, he's got a good breakdown too. Yeah, I've got to give credit to Greg, man. Greg, Greg Velasquez. I mean, <laughs> Greg Berhalter. <laughs> you, you too, Greg. Credit to you as well. But sure, sure. I definitely picked Tim Weah. Yeah. In, in March of 2019, that was my guy. <laughs> safe to say, Berhalter's job is safe, and um, everything's. It's, it's a it's a wonderful day in America. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see ya.